Good morning. I hate to break up great conversation at the table, but I know um, I, I've got a few quick words to say up front, and then we're gonna. I'll introduce our speaker, and then at the end we're gonna have a, a volunteer opportunity. So Tom, don't let me forget to do that. Excellent. Let me start by thanking uh, Doug Tatum. He is. Um, Put together a podcast, so we record. I'm double checking that the recorder's on. That's my mental process this morning. We record the men's breakfast, so if you ever miss or you know somebody who's not here who might have needed to hear what was said, <laughs> you uh, you can always send me an email. But we're gonna. I'll in my next email that I send out, I'll include the link to the podcast. The podcast is just a really convenient way for your phone or whatever device you carry around. To, if you needed to, download a copy of this so that when you're traveling or whatever, you're not wondering, can I listen to it then? And so I want to thank Doug for having having put that together. I tried an experiment this week. Um, I tried to use only the ministry platform to send out communications to you. Um, anytime there's an experiment, it's a valid experiment if you learn something. So we're about to learn something. Uh, who here did not get an email on Monday or Tuesday about this morning's breakfast. If you did not get an email, raise your hand. Doug, okay. So if you would, I know you all signed in. If you would circle your name on the sign-in sheet before you leave today, that will let me know that you're not on the ministry platform men's breakfast group. And I will fix that, but I need to know who to fix it for. So I'm sorry you didn't get. You probably also didn't get a text message. Who here didn't get a text message? Should be the same set of people. No, no it's no. a bigger group of people. Excellent. If you didn't get a text message, make certain your cell phone number is written down on the sign-in sheet, and you circle the cell circle circle the number. I need things circled. I need things circled because if not, I won't know what the data to, to key in later. Two other real quick questions. How many of you have ever received the United Methodist Men's Quarterly Newsletter magazine? Looks like this. Who got, oh, Bob, how did you get on the list? Do you know? I don't know how I got on the list. I probably need to blame Eric Lee or somebody for that. I got on the list. It's an excellent publication. And... The, uh, the, the, the letter this month from the General Secretary is about 1968. Now, 1968 might not be a special year for everybody in this room, but it, but it is for me. It's 50 years ago. See, I can do that math even this early in the day. And the article at the very beginning of it talks about some of what went on with, in 1968. It's the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King's assassination. It, it also, there's a bunch of us turning 50 this year, and so there are a lot of 1968 babies that I'm attuned into. If you would like to get a copy of this, we can spend a lot of money getting you the paper copy, or I can send you an email with a link in it to the document. So I'm going to put that link in the next email that comes out once I fix the people who need to get emails. So you're going to get a link to a PDF. It'll download. Flip through it. You might find some real... Some real nuggets. It's a, if, for me, it was an undiscovered gold mine of what's going on for Methodist men, not only around the country, but around the world. One last item, and I'll use this as a way to introduce Jason. Um, anybody heard of this guy? What's his name? Adam Hamilton? Yeah. 
Well, he was in town. He was in town last month, um, basically on a book tour, for lack of a better word. And he doesn't normally do those. And, and this one is entitled "Unafraid." And I, you know, we've all seen his videos, and heaven knows we've heard people refer to him. Um, <laughs> and so I said, I want to go hear him in person. I mean, sometimes when you go meet somebody in person, it's a very different experience than what it looks like when things are staged. And I went knowing that if I was disappointed, I just needed to put that on the shelf and not let that disappointment take away from the, from, from what I'd already gotten from his books and so forth. I was not disappointed. I was quite the other way. When you when you see someone who is authentic in real time situations, it adds to what you've seen them do. That's you know pre recorded. And he spoke about this book. Um, I brought this book today. If you'd like to read this book, I decided to, a new a new hand me down strategy. Enjoy reading this book. Share it with a friend. Eventually, return it with lots of notes. And so, if you would like to be the first person to read my copy and then hand it to somebody. Great material in here. One of the things he talked about at the end where he basically opened it up and let's let people ask questions. And this was done at um, Dunwoody United Methodist to a pretty doggone full sanctuary on a Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday night back in March. The room was attentive. He was engaged. And at the end, there were probably five or six questions some of which were connected to the book, and some of which were, hey, we've got Adam Hamilton here, let's ask him some questions. <laughs> and one of the one of his responses struck home to me, and he talked about there's this, uh, basically a gap right now where who is going into seminary and who is retiring. There is a generation of ministers who are reaching retirement age and there is a real gap in those going into seminary. And, you know, it struck me. I remember when my dad decided to go back to seminary when I was in grade school. And we, we moved to Atlanta. That's how I ended up in Atlanta. You don't, you hear some of those stories, but a lot of people go directly from college into seminary. And that path right now is, there's the supply chain is broken. Jason Scott is the person who is closest to that supply chain at this church, as far as I see it. The students who go through the Dodd program and alter your life, this whole life cycle of going from, I know I'm not alone in the world, to I'm willing to tell people about what God is doing in my life. This is, this is the process that he takes on every week. Um, I met a, a youth pastor yesterday, accidentally. He's visiting today. If you can find him in the room, you get points from me. Um, there is a process by which you go from having faith with your friends to becoming a minister. That response to a call that not everybody has, that not everybody feels, but some people do. I've seen several people that I know say no and say no and say no. It takes them 20 years, two marriages and whatever else to realize there was a call in their life that they were meant to respond to. And I'm real privileged this morning to introduce Jason Scott, our minister to students, which we all are students at some level. And uh, tell us a little bit about what's been going on with you, Jason. Thanks, sir. Well, I, uh, a couple of things. Uh, first, 
Um, I'm sure the article, I've not read it, though it sounds so engaging in a United Methodist Men's magazine, um, was the 1968 thing, a bit of trivia. I'm sure you all know this, preaching to the choir, right? But 1968 was also the year that the United Methodist Church was formed. So 50 years when the Methodist Church and the United Brethren Church came together, formed the United Methodist Church. So I'm sure that was probably part of the article. But um, So that's kind of cool, too. Um, first, many of you, I mean, I've spoken three times here, I think, in Men's Breakfast. And every single time I talk about kind of the state of the youth and where we're doing and where we are. And, so I thought this morning we'd do something different, and I would uh, do a lesson probably similar to what I would do across the street, so you all have to put on your 15-year-old selves and pretend like that's who you are, and we're going to do more of a lesson that we would do there. So before I do that, some of you may know me from my time on big screen in the sanctuary. Um, uh, there will be an autograph session afterwards, so you can just meet me over there. Uh, there's a small fee, though. Um, if you would like to be on one of those videos, or do you know someone who would like to share their story with Compassion Community Things, there are some paper and pens right in front of you. I'd like for you to Take a second and write, if you're nominating somebody, write your name and their name so I know the difference. If it's you, just write your name and let it be. And some kind of contact info if you've got it. If you don't have it, then we can probably find it. But we're vamping up, trying to make our inventory larger and reaching out to people. Um, I think we have Alan Kennedy coming down the pipe pretty soon. So... You don't know about that one yet? Okay, well, there you go. But um, you guys can, if you again, if you'd like to share your story or you know someone, just jot their name down, your name down, and contact info as much as you have on the sheet of paper for us, and that would help us. And we'll, we'll pursue them. We'll, we'll ask them uh, all that stuff. So thank you. Um, so this morning, if you have your Bibles, you can open... <laughs> Well, you are 15. That's good. That's good. That's great. Thanks. Um, I want to start out with reading a passage of Scripture. It's one of my favorite, and for not so obvious reasons, but we'll talk about that when I get done. So John 21, uh, 15 through 18, you'll recognize it, and it's very appropriate, the first couple of words. After breakfast... Uh, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Once more he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. We usually kind of stop there, right? This next part of it is really, really pretty cool. The truth is, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked and go wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and others will direct you and take care of you, um, take you where you don't want to go. Man, it's tough. It's tough to hear sometimes. I really love that story. For a couple of reasons, um, but one, because it's a really awesome story um, of redemption, because uh, what happens pretty soon after this? Peter has uh, probably the lowest point of his life, right? And he uh, has an opportunity to 
stand up for Jesus and doesn't do it what he does when he cuts the ear off. But later on, he's, he's asked if he knows who Jesus is and he denies Jesus three times. And what correlation is there between him asking Jesus, I mean, Jesus asking Peter three times, do you love me, and him denying Jesus three times? You know at that moment when that third question, that third denial hit, this is what he remembered, right? He remembered this time. And, and that's what had to have killed Peter so badly. Uh, so it's really cool. Um, so, so this morning we're going to kind of talk about love a little bit. So I'll throw this out to you. I've been, this is 20 years of marriage for me this year. So a couple months. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, right? Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Um, and I love my wife. I really do. Um, um, no, really. Um, yes, absolutely. St. Jennifer. But how would you know that? So I ask you this question. How would you know that I love my wife? So we're going to put you on an interview team. For you to interview me and ask me five questions uh, to prove to you that I love my wife. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So, I got pen. You got questions. What would those five questions be? What color are her eyes? Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Uh, we're going to say the answers to the end. Um, I'm just writing them down now. Yeah, so I can text her real quick. Um, yes, sir. How do you respond to Jennifer when she makes you mad? Thank you. Um, we'll discuss that one. You assume she makes him mad. Yeah, that's a big assumption. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, slow rider. Um, yeah. Have you been faithful to her for the higher, whole 20 years? Ooh, that's great. Every 20 years thereafter. <laughs> like three times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What is her love language? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. All right, one more. What is her better what? or worse? Mm. Okay. Um, what have you done for her recently that really inconvenienced you personally? Okay. Maybe something that doesn't make sense to you, but you don't want to argue with you because you know it makes sense to her. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. All right. Those are great questions. Um, we'll come back to those. Okay. I just got to think about those and mull over a little bit, and we'll talk about them. Um. Yeah, no doubt, right? Um, well, let me answer this question. Sunday morning, you're in church, you're in worship, um, and Jesus walks in the door. Imagine you're kind of like Peter at this point, right? Jesus walks in the door, and he stands beside you, taps you on the shoulder during worship, and says, do you love me? What do you say? Well, I'm cool. Literally, I'm sitting here worshiping you. I mean, I don't know how much more I can prove to you that he's like, yeah, I look at you, I see that, but do you love me? Well, how would you feel in that moment if the creator of the universe walks in while you're worshiping him and asks you these questions? 
Like, obviously, I'm not doing something right. <laughs> you see something I probably am not doing, so why don't you just go ahead and tell me and quit, blaming, quit asking questions. Um, so how can you tell that you love God? Well, luckily, I have some questions here that you have given me. Let's see. What color are his God's eyes? Hmm. Okay. Do you know God, do you know Jesus in a, in a relationship enough to be close enough to know what color his eyes are? Figuratively, obviously. But, you know, so that's a good question. Color of the eyes, whoever came up that around here. There. So do you know Jesus in a relationship well enough that you're close enough to know the color of his eyes? Um, what do you, how do you react to God when he makes you mad? Okay. Have you been faithful to him your entire relationship and to him alone? What's God's love language? How do you communicate love to God? For better or worse. Ooh, that's a good one for God, right? Uh, during your life, at least. And this is a great one, Tom. Uh, what have you done for him lately that's been inconvenience to you that you know that he would enjoy? Great points, great questions. To be able to prove to God and show God that you love him kind of the same way in which we would do to our spouses, Right? So our biggest issue isn't that we love God or not. We think we do. We feel like we do. We can say that we do. Our biggest issue is thinking that we can fit God into our lives as it exists right now or when we accept it. Um, because we know Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, then he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Man, but that's tough, right? Because there's a lot of that old that we still like. We still want some of that old around. Um, but we can't be the same when we are in Christ. Can others tell by that you love God by what you do? Maybe not just what you say. By your reactions to them. Your inter interactions with them on a daily basis. When you drive. When you're in traffic. <laughs> when you are having these wonderful conversations with your children who do not want to listen to you, uh, can they tell that you are a God follower? Um, let's go back to my wife for a second, or as some of you in the room may appreciate, as Henny Youngman would say, take my wife, please. <laughs> that was just for you guys. So how does my wife know that I love her? Right? How does my wife know that I care about her and care for her only and faithful to her only, good and bad, uh, better or worse. Well, it's been the catalyst of many a uh, discussion in my house, right? Uh, maybe to yours as well. Um, and what I learned, maybe not all the time, but what I learned uh, a while back was to communicate very well. Uh, though we don't do it always the best, um, I make sure that she is fully aware of my thick-headedness and my inability to understand sometimes. 
So I have to communicate explicitly, thoroughly, and immensely whatever it is that I'm wanting to say or for her to know. Um, and one of those questions that we derived was, um, what is it that I'm doing that you don't like? That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, especially when she asks it of me. But we have gotten to the point where we can do that, right? After 20 years. Uh, what is it when she asked me that question the first time when we decided we are going to do this and I had a very short list of things that I tested the waters with and mentioned a few things and surprisingly it wasn't a big deal and she has fought really hard to not do those things, you know? And I was like, wow, okay, this is kind of cool. So uh, then I come back and say, well, I like this. This is good. What is it that I do that you don't like? She whips out this book, you know, this thick. Um, yeah, but, you know, and and the, the bigger question of that is... Um, for us to be successful about that, uh, I have to be ready for her to answer that question, right? And I have to be able to understand that question and w- act on that, act on her answer to be able to remove those things. Because if I love her, then I don't want to continue to do the things that she that bothers her or that she doesn't like. That's pretty simple stuff, right? In relationships. Um, likewise, um, she wants to know those things. And I want to know those things. It's about her. Um, it's kind of the same way with God, right? Really think about it. A lot of times we want to just put the list of rules out there and say this checklist of things that we've done or haven't done, uh, and we say we're good with those. But... If we're in a relationship, God, we're in constant communication, but what is it in my life that I'm doing that you don't like? David was a master of this, right? Man after God's own heart, Psalm 139, David said, You know everything about me. Search me, O God. Know me. Uh, try me. Show me what it is, basically. It's pleading. Like, you know everything, God, and you know me. What is it that I'm doing, basically saying, that you don't like? And let me know those things. So that's kind of cool. So David's asking the same question. And then kind of lead me in that direction. So, is there anything I'm doing that bothers you, that grieves you, God, in my actions, in my thoughts, in my ways? Uh, then help me get that out of my life. So if you were to ask God that right now, what would he say? In your own life, if you were to ask God, what is it that you're doing that bothers him, that uh, he doesn't want you to do? I don't know what that is, you know. It's what you have to do. Um, Jesus said there's a natural response to God. Basically, creation uh, is drawn to its creator. And that's what we are. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. This is Jesus talking. He said, if you love me, if you, if you love me, then you'll do what I'm telling you to do. You won't do the things that are bothersome, that we don't like. 
Well, that's kind of the same thing, right? If you love me, then keep my commands. Here's the things that I want you to do. Here's the things I don't want you to do. If you love me, then you'll do those things. Uh, this guy named Francis Chan. Some of you may have heard of Francis Chan before. He's uh, written a couple of books. He's a pretty good, pretty good speaker. Um, he gave an analogy one time that I've shared with kids before that um, pretty impactful, so I thought I would share that with you. Um, maybe like lemonade. Like lemonade? I mean, some of you can drink it still, but you know. I like lemonade. It's pretty good stuff. Um, especially this stuff. I mean, it's just like tart. Man, it's good. Um, how many of you like these things? These uh, frappuccinos, Starbucks stuff? Oh, yeah. Good stuff too, right? Excuse me. These are good too. Oh, these are my favorite, right? Um, some of us, it's kind of like what our life is like, right? And I love Jesus. Mm. Mm. I like smoking pot too. <clears throat> mm. I love you, Lord. I love going to church. Mm. <clears throat> Ooh, naked girls on the internet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I love you, brother. I love you. <clears throat> I hate that guy. <clears throat> is that not our life sometimes, right? Um, this is what we, on a daily basis, this is what we're doing. We think we can live with this God and have these things going on at the same time. So what do we do? Well, we say we can pull this off, right? Let's <laughs> <laughs> just mix the two, right? <laughs> Man, that is nasty. <laughs> But that's kind of what it's like. It doesn't work. You know? We love Jesus, but we love sin too. Um, sometimes I have an opportunity um, working on staff to be able to view things, maybe. Maybe it's just the um, nature of the business. But um, coming on Sunday mornings at 9.30... And for what should be a praise and worship service, right? And I, and I watch people. Nobody in this room. Nobody in this room. But I watch people. Um, and it looks like they're absolutely miserable in church. You know? I mean, arms folded, sneer on their face, singing these praises to God, and they're not singing, they're not engaging, they're not just sitting there with their arms folded. Like, why are you even here? You know? Um, but to get that view sometimes, and I, and I think I kind of understand what it is sometimes. I think um, Romans 6, um, let me, I didn't mark that one, sorry. Um, 
you know, Paul addresses this this thing pretty well. Romans six fourteen says, whew, "Sorry, it's coming back up. That and the bacon didn't go very well this morning." <laughs> Uh, Romans 6, uh, starting at 14, says, Sin is no longer your master, for you are no longer subject to the law, which enslaves you to sin. Instead, you are free by God's grace. So since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean uh, we can go on sin? Of course not. Don't you realize that whatever you choose to obey becomes your master? You can choose sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God and receive his approval. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin... But now you have obeyed with all your heart the new teaching God has given you. Now you are free from sin, your old master, and you have become slaves to your new master, righteousness. Man. I think that a lot of people get into church and start feeling bad, start feeling guilty about the sin that's still in their life. You know, we, we've kept the sin, and we have a God of grace and God of forgiveness and God of love who's ready to give those things up and ready for us to... to for him to take that on, and we hold those so hard, close to us. You know, it just tells God that we don't think you're big enough, God, to take these sins on. You're not big enough to, to carry these things. Because I feel like if we were, if we knew that, we would go to church and we would be able to sing and worship and praise and and exalt God for doing those things. But yet we just sit back with our arms folded and our sneer on our face because... What has God done for us? You know? We're still carrying this stuff around. We're still having to carry these burdens. We're still carrying the sin. So, um, so I think, you know, us being slaves to righteousness, maybe not viewed that way sometimes, but I think that's what we should be. Um, I think we still believe that we're still slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. No longer slaves to fear. But as the song said, you are a child of God. I mean, what better name would you ever want to have, right? Um, so I was going to give you a couple of questions, but I've got a video to show, and I wanted to be able to end on time. Um, so the challenge to you and a couple of questions for you to think about is, what sins do you have a tough time letting go of? What sins in your life do you have a tough time uh, getting rid of? Uh, even though you know you've been forgiven for those sins, even though you know that they're at the bottom of the ocean, right? Even though you know God of grace, God of mercy has taken those upon Him, what what are those things that are that you're reluctant to let go of? And uh, how can you give those sins up to God? What kind of commitment can you do? What what ways? What means can you do to? Make sure that you're not owning those or having those burdens any longer. Um, it's a really cool video. Uh, some of you may have seen it. I'm sure some of you have. I know some of you have. But, um, bear with me in, in watching this. And a great example of us saying that we want God to come in our lives and take these things from us, but actually being willing to allow that to happen in our lives. You're God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, 
But when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso is like... <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. <clears throat> Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. What gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. Enough right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. <laughs> oh, hey, God. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? You showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here, and maybe four, <laughs> maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus. All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk, or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with you don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <laughs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I gotta admit, I, mean, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. Alright, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just, um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here, and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. 
what you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control. No, chisel, chisel. chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay. <laughs> This right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. Sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't. Talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them, and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not my oh, ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah. Do you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. Sister... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning. And I look at him in the mirror. And I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this 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 little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't. Okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away, just. Be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. 
I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? <laughs> I just went, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that is? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello. Oh yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. <laughs> Dear God, did I hear you right today? I hear you say that you love me even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times did I hear you say you want to use me and I feel so useless if you'll take me and use me then God I give you all that I am Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison. But look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. No, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into life thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God. No, not the way you say yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. <clears throat> and so are you. God doesn't make joke. You are an original masterpiece. Um, so what does it mean to, uh, when God says, when Jesus says, do you love me? And the third time, do you love me? Feed my sheep. That's what we're called to do. As the men of this church, you know, we're called to, to be, uh, <laughs> A driving force of God's love, of God's grace, uh, the direction of the church spiritually, those kind of things. And what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing 
not only in your own home, but in this church and throughout our area community to show others God's love. Feeding sheep is what we're called to do. But if we really take that seriously, it requires a lot on us. My favorite line of the whole thing is, sorry that I let you down. He said, you're never holding me up. I think that's pretty great. So, uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. Thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for his grace, his mercy. When we are so not worthy, yet you still loved us. When we were still sinners, you sent your son to die for us. That's how much you love us. So God, help us to search us inside of us to find out what it is that bothers you and give us the strength and courage to remove those things, to be chiseled away by you. Um, As we pursue that relationship with you, as we pursue uh, your love for us, what does that mean? Uh, God, we love you and we'll give you the glory and honor in all that we do and say, that it may glorify you in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Well, I had lunch with Jason a couple of years ago, and at that time, I don't know if you're going to do it next year, we were looking for mentors, for men who would spend some time with one of the kids in the Dodds, normally, you know, a young man. And um, I was like, sure, I'll, I'll be happy to try this. And I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. But um, Jason had a book, we're a couple of books, and you kind of read chapters of the book and talk to each other each week, very low-key. And the book was uh, Love Does. And uh, I don't know if you've ever read that book. It's got some great stories of people's journeys. And you're like, oh, that, I know about that guy. You, you just didn't know the backstory, and it was, it was it was a great catalyst for conversation. And what I what I took away most from that was not just the the young man that I was getting to know, but the things that you say out loud are different than the things that you think in your head. And sometimes you need to say them out loud. Now, I would be fascinated to know those questions that Jason asked us about our our wives and how we know we love our wives, I would be very interested to see what a teenager would respond to that and whether or not they would be responding to that out of their experience out of or out of the assumption of their parents' experiences. But you saw how it got us engaged in talking about stuff that you think you know that's this relevant to your daily life opens you up to the real moments where you do, I believe, come face to face with something greater than who you are. And so I want to thank, once again, Jason, this morning for uh, starting our day, continuing our Easter week as uh, we get to experience a, a sunrise. The sun is up since you guys came in here this morning. It's a beautiful day. I hope you will take a minute and tell somebody about what you did this morning for breakfast. Um, we had a good turnout this morning. Next month, Tom Alderman is going to be speaking. Now, Tom Alderman is our organist at church. How many of you have heard him speak before? Excellent. Tell somebody next to you, Tom, you, you know, you see him at the keyboard and you're wondering, how does he do that? Um, 
there's real things going on inside him, and I hope he will be in a position to share those with us next month. Um, so I'm grateful that you're here this morning. Thank you again, Jason, for being here and leading us. And, um, you know, take a moment and tell somebody today what you did for breakfast. It will uh, hopefully uh, open up a conversation for you. Have a great week.